Good morning, church. My name is Tellus Fuller, in case we haven't had the opportunity to meet. I'm the pastor here. So happy to be with you guys, and Happy New Year. As we get into um, our service today in the Word, uh, there's a thought that I've been having recently that I wanted to share with us as a church as we begin this new year. We inherently, I think, know something about new beginnings or fresh starts. And in a new year, I bet some of you in the same way have maybe had some plans for the future or have evaluated how you're doing now or maybe how you want to be doing. And for me, when it comes to the new year, I always value and take inventory of the things that are most important in my life. And as I do that, I've been in the Old Testament recently, specifically in the book of Nehemiah I've been reading. And in this book, what I found is something that has been incredibly challenging and convicting for me. There, uh, in this story, if you're not familiar with the time, Nehemiah is a book in the Bible that was found almost congruent with the book of Ezra. So you have this uh, story of the Israelites. This is right after they have been uh, exiled to Babylon for a while. Now the king of Persia, Syria, has overtaken Babylon, and he has now seen the Israelites, and he is releasing them back to go worship back in Jerusalem. The reason this matters is because the Israelites have been in captivity, not been able to worship God the way that God asks and desires to be worshipped, which is in the temple. The temple of God was not just like a church. It was the place where the presence of God was. And the temple was destroyed. The people of God were taken away and they were distraught. Their culture was ripped away from them. And then the king of Persia sends some people back. He says, you can go back to Jerusalem and you can build the temple and you can go worship God how you want. And what happens is we find this man Zerubbabel who goes back and he rebuilds the temple. We find this man Ezra who goes back and he teaches the Torah, the word of God to the people. And then we find this man Nehemiah who comes back a little bit later and he rebuilds the wall. All three pivotal in the point in the story of moving the people of God back to where they're supposed to be. And I've realized in my life over the course of how valuable the word of God is in my life and the authority that the scripture has over my life and the honor that I need to have of the scriptures. And it's really interesting because when you get to Nehemiah chapter 8 specifically, you find the Israelites who have had their culture ripped away from them for generations, are now back in the process of worshiping God when they haven't worshiped God for a while. And we find in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 5 and 6. And it says this, And Ezra opened the book, and in the sight of all of the people, for he was above the people, and as he opened it for all of the people, they stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads, and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. What I learned from part of the story is sometimes you don't know how valuable something is until it's taken away from you. And the people of God did not have the appropriate and biblical way to worship God for generations. And now they're brought back to this moment. And Ezra teaches them the word. And 
it's what happens is Ezra just reads the Bible. That's all he does. You guys are amazing. But if I came up here and just opened the Torah, first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, if I just opened the Torah and just read from it for 35 and 40 minutes, probably some of you wouldn't be back next week. <laughs> but Ezra, he opens the book and it says in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1, it says the people were like one man. As in, they were one heart and one mind. They were one spirit. They were all gathered together. And they went to Ezra, knowing that he was a good teacher of the word. And all they said to him was, would you please read the Bible to us? That's all we want. Would you just read the word of God to me? And it says, every man, woman, child, from the morning, the dawn until midday, sat underneath Ezra and listened to him read the word of God. Sometimes you don't know how valuable something is until it's gone. And it says that all of a sudden they stood up. What I want us to do is I want us to reemphasize the authority of scripture over our lives. And I want us to honor the word of God and take a note from Nehemiah and the Israelites and say, the word of God has power and authority over my life and I want to show it through action. And so what I want us to do as Grace Covenant Church Chantilly from here moving forward is I want us to stand as we read the scriptures on Sunday morning. Not because it's a better way to do church. It's not wrong the way that we did it before. It's not a sin. This isn't the better way. That wasn't the worst way. This is a way that we remind our souls to honor the word of God. In the same way that we cheer and we clap when we give our tithes and our offerings, we're reminding our soul, be cheerful because the Lord loves a cheerful giver. And in the same way, I want us, as we read the opening scripture in our sermons, for us to stand, not because we're more religious, not because it's better, not because the past way was a sin, but because we need to remind our soul that we honor the authority of the word of God over our lives. How often and how regular and how natural would it be if there was an important public official that walked into your room or maybe just the Pledge of Allegiance started? We would naturally just stand in honor of that. And how much more ought we honor the word of God over our lives? This is not some religious action that's going to make us better. It's going to make us more holy. This is me telling my flesh, hey, you need to be reminded that this word has authority that we honor this word above everything else. We value this word and we're gonna stand in honor of this word, amen? amen? We're gonna get into our main scripture, Luke chapter one. Luke chapter one, verse 31 through 38. So, Grace Covenant Church, would you stand with me in honor of the reading of the word? It says in Luke chapter one, verse 31 through 38. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Hmm. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. 
and the Lord will give him, give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Before we take a seat, I want to title this message, The Amen. The Amen. And I just want to talk about two things. One, my amen to God. And two, God's amen to me. Would you pray with me for a minute before we sit? Lord, we love you so much. And God, we, uh, we acknowledge the authority of scripture over our lives right now. And we honor your word above everything else. Lord, if you're not glorified in any other place, would you be glorified in this place? And Lord, if you're not glorified in any other heart, would you be glorified in this heart? Father, we love you so much. And more importantly, you love us. Holy Spirit, would you empower us to live, look, and love more like Jesus today than we did yesterday. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. Amen. The amen. The amen. The longer I live, the more that I realize that Saying yes to Jesus is not a one-time event. It is an everyday decision. And I'm not talking about being saved by God. I'm talking about walking with God. It's not a one-time event, and all of a sudden our lives just go in the direction of God. It is a one-time choice that we make, yes, in giving our lives to Christ. And then it is an everyday decision moving forward to say yes to him after that. Why? Because Jesus wants to form us into his image. And I wonder if there are some of us that are just simply content with being found in Christ, but not formed into Christ. As in, we are okay with being saved by him, that he is my savior, but he's not my Lord. That he can give me the gifts, but I don't want to have to be obedient. That I don't have to be formed into his image to become more like him. I'm fine with God just doing what he needs to do for me. See, the way that we are formed into Christ, if we truly desire to be, which is the call of every Christian, is that we are formed into the image of Christ with every amen that we give. Every amen that we give forms us into the image of Christ. And you might be saying, well, 
I've already given God an amen. I've said yes to him. Well, I'm not specifically talking about that. I'm not talking about that's the general amen that you've given to God. In that I give my life to you, you save me. That is the general amen that we have said to God if you are a follower of Jesus and you are in Jesus Christ. But I'm talking about the specific amen. If the general amen is an amen to salvation, then the specific amen is an amen to formation. I'm not just saying yes to God that you save me. Now I'm saying yes, God, would you form me? If you want to know the secret to having the purpose of God and the presence of God in your life, it's simply this, saying yes to him. Saying amen to God will introduce the purpose of God and the presence of God into your life. Amen is an interesting word. It's a beautiful word and it's actually packed with context. It's one of those words that has almost endured throughout the generations. Amen uh, is uh, a word that in the Hebrew scriptures, in the Old Testament, it was just this word aman. And simply it just meant to believe. To believe when we look at Abraham and it said that Abraham was counted as righteousness because he believed God. That word believe is aman. Because he believed God, Abraham was now counted as righteousness. And then when you translate that to the New Testament, it just switches to amen, aman, amen. And amen in the New Testament is seen as a let it be so, or I agree, or yes. An enthusiastic Entire yes, I agree with that. Amen has been preserved from Hebrew to Greek, not really changed, from Greek to English, not really changed. It's one word that if you go to a majority of the world and you say the word amen, most people will know what you're saying. And yet, with a word so packed with context and so much history, I wonder do we really know what it means? Do we really know the weight? That it carries. See, we typically say amen at the end of prayers or maybe even when the preacher makes a really good point, but I believe that there might be something deeper in amen. Earlier in 2022, the first message I preached in 2022 was a message called The Prize. It was a message all about how the presence of God is our prize. And we will know that we are successful if the presence of God is here. That the presence of God is one of the most unique things about followers of Jesus. And as a church, we will pursue the presence of God. That was the word for 2022 that we believe that we are pushing towards. That was our, our north compass. We were going in that direction. And we are by no means leaving that word in 2022. We are bringing it into 2023. And I want to add something for your consideration to submit to you that the word for us for 2023 is the word amen. I agree. And this isn't an amen simply to me. This is an amen to him. It's not an amen that I would have God get on my page. I would have God get on my side. God would do what I want him to do. But actually the inverse, that God would actually get me on his page, that I would do what God wants me to do, that I would actually give an amen to his plans instead of him giving an amen to my plans. It's an amen that's pointed upward, not inward. It's amen. This is our year of amen. Amen. 
Amen isn't to me and amen is to him. And it's, it's this word that simply just means I agree. And what I've learned through looking at the scriptures is that agreement is a huge deal to God. In agreement, it's a huge deal to God. Unity is a huge deal to God. Coming into agreement, Jesus says that I only say what I hear the Father saying. I only do what I see the Father doing. You find Jesus telling some of his best friends, he says, um, if two of you agree on anything in my name, then the Father will do it. As if to say that agreement is incredibly important to Jesus. And if Jesus says to us that if any two of you agree in my name, the father will do it. What do you think God would do if you start to agree with him? This isn't an agreement amongst us. This is an agreement upward towards him. Agreement is a big deal to God. And if it's a big deal to God, then it needs to be a big deal to us. Some of us might have issue or, or problems coming into agreement with God because we have been trained and discipled into co- coming into agreement with ourselves. That I say yes to me. I do what I want to do. My life is led by my rules in the way that I want to do it. But when we come into agreement with God, it's actually more often than not a yes to him is a no to me. If I want to come into agreement with God, I typically have to come out of agreement with myself. Why? Because Jesus, one of the first things he says, if he says, you want to follow me, what he says is you need to take up your cross, deny yourself, leave everything, lose your life, and then follow me. And some reason, we think naturally we ought to, naturally we agree with God. When God says, the first thing you need to do is change. And then you can follow me. No, no, no. He's not saying that you need to change so that you can follow me. He's saying, if you want to follow me, this is what it's going to cost you. Following Jesus, he will change you once you come to him. But he's saying, there's going to be a cost to following me. Now, if we are naturally bent away from him, what makes us think that our agreement is naturally towards him? He's saying, you need to come out of agreement with yourself and you need to start agreeing with me. It's not a yes to me, it's a yes to him. We've been trained to say yes to ourselves so often. And there are going to be a lot of decisions that we make, that you make in 2023. A lot of really important decisions that you're going to make in 2023. And if you don't come into agreement with God in those decisions, he won't be in those decisions. Some of us are going to make really important financial decisions in 2023. But if God is not in those financial decisions, if you don't come into agreement with God in those financial decisions, he won't be in those financial decisions. Some of us are going to make some important relational decisions. And if we don't come into agreement with God in those relational decisions, he won't be in those relational decisions. Some of us are going to make a lot of personal decisions. And if we don't come into agreement with God in those personal decisions, he won't be in those personal decisions. Agreement is a big deal to God. Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word, i.e., amen. Let it be done to me according to your word. You see, because agreement is essential for life with God. 
If you want to live life with God, you need to be agreeing with God. You need to come into agreement with God because our amen, our agreement with God does two things. It actually invites the presence of God and the purpose of God into our lives. And if we ask the question, why aren't I walking in my full purpose that God has for me? Or why aren't I experiencing the presence of God that I feel like is promised to me? The question I would pose to you is, have you left any amens on the floor? Are there any amens that you need to pick up? Are there any places in your life where you're disagreeing with God and you're preferring yourself? Because you know what's interesting is that God does not force you to agree with him. Even though agreement is a huge deal to God, he does not force you to agree with him. That is not God's job to make you agree with him. Now, God has a lot of jobs, but that's not one of them. God's jobs are salvation, gravity, uh, keeping you breathing, keeping the world spinning. Like he has a lot of jobs, but making you agree with him is not one of his jobs. That's your job. And you have a lot of jobs. You have a lot of responsibilities. You have obedience as a responsibility. You have generosity if you're following Jesus as a responsibility. You have to be salt and light in the earth as a responsibility. You have to forgive those who persecute you as a responsibility. You have to be a city on a hill as a responsibility. You have to come into agreement with God as a responsibility. There are some things that are God's job and there are some things that are your job. And one of those things that is your job is to come into agreement with God. If God doesn't force us to agree with him, then we have to ask ourselves the question, currently, right now, do I agree with God? Have I said amen to him? This full word, full of context and reality and truth towards him, have I agreed with him? Because if God doesn't force us to agree with him, then there can be people sitting in this room right now who disagree with God. And you're wondering, why isn't the purpose of the presence of God in my life? I would ask you the question, are you amening yourself? Or are you amening him? He's not going to force you to agree with him. He's inviting you in to agree with him. See, some of us, um, we say amen out of our mouths, but we don't really say it in our heart. We finish our prayers with amen. We say it to the preacher with amen. We say it after, before we're about to eat with amen, but we don't necessarily believe it in our heart. We're fighting him at every turn, really, because we're trying to get God to get on our side instead of us getting on his side. And we're spending all of our faith trying to get God on our page when it should be spent trying to get us on his page. And let me tell you, there is a way more efficient way to spend your faith than trying to get God to change. And that's to get you to change. Your faith was not designed that you would change God. Your faith was designed was that you would believe God. And this reality of believing God, this has gone to the beginning. Adam and Eve, the first sin, the first lie, the first temptation was the enemy coming to them and saying simply this, is God really good? He told you not to eat from that, but the only reason he told you that is because you're going to be like him. He's holding back from you. He's not that good. If you eat from it, then, then you'll get what you really want. Is God 
really good. And the lie that Adam and Eve lost to is still the lie that we're struggling with today, which is, can God be better to me than I can be to myself? Am I amening him or am I amening me? I'm spending my faith, not trying to get God on my side, but I need to spend my faith agreeing with him, believing him, trusting him, counting on him and pursuing him with everything that I have. I'm saying that I need God. I need to believe you. I need to be on your page. Christianity is not so hard because of sin for some of you. Christianity is so hard because of disagreement for some of you. Sin isn't the thing keeping you from your purpose. It's disagreement that you are not agreeing with the word of God over your life. And because of that, you're fighting him and you're saying, God, why isn't all this stuff happening in my life? It's because you're not agreeing with the word of God over you. See, the enemy wants to keep you out of your purpose and out of his presence by simply disagreeing with God and agreeing with yourself. And if this church can be anything, for this year, at least, for us to be a church that says, God, not an amen to me. I don't agree with me. I'm not saying yes to me, but amen to you. I want God to know that he will find an amen here. That if he's looking somewhere for somebody, some people to agree with him, he doesn't have to look further than right here. And we make a place for him where he says, if, you, if God tells us to go, then we go. If God tells us to stay, then we stay. If God tells me to give more than I'm comfortable, I give more than I'm comfortable. If God tells me to go and serve in church when I don't want to serve in church, then I go and serve in church. If God tells me that I need to start a small group, then I'm going to go and start a small group. If God tells me I need to be the reconciliation that my family needs before they repent and forgive everything that they've done in the past, then I'm going to be the reconciliation that my family needs before they repent and forgive everything that they've done. I'm going to do whatever God tells me to do. I'm going to agree with him. I'm going to get on his page. Because I want to be a place where God finds, he knows if anywhere in the world they are going to say yes, they're going to agree with me. Because when you agree with God, you invite the presence of God and the purpose of God. And if you want to live life with God, you need to agree with God. I don't want God to look any further than this place. I'll make it personal any further than your home, more personal any further than your heart. Before he finds anybody who agrees with him. When we agree with God, we invite the presence of God. We invite the purpose of God in our lives. It's an invitation. Amen is simply an invitation. It's inviting the presence and the purpose of God. When we say amen, God says, I'm coming. He's on his way. He says, that's a place where I can dwell. That's a place where I can be. You see, the spirit of God came upon Mary. The presence of God, in a very literal sense, was with Mary. She was carrying God. When she said amen to God, the presence of God was with Mary. And when you say to God, the presence of God is with you. 
You think, oh no, it was literally with Mary. No, it is, he is literally with you. Because why? When we say amen to God, we get God. When you say yes to God, you get God. Not a version of him, not God light, not God little bit. No, not when you get better, not when you learn more. When you say amen to him, he comes to you. How do we know? The spirit of God came upon Mary as she said, let it be done to me according to your word. Amen. And we know that Mary was scared. We know that Mary was timid. She was afraid. She was unsure. She, she was scared. She didn't know what to do. And still she said, yes, we know that because the angel comes and pretty much tells everybody in the gospel narrative as soon as she is born, don't be afraid. That's what they tell everybody. And then Mary gives a scared, timid, unsure, nervous, amen. It tells me that God will accept your nervous, scared, unsure, timid, amen. You're sitting in this room, you're saying, man, I don't know, that sounds like a lot. I'm saying, yeah, it was a lot for Mary too. It's a lot for me. It's a lot for everybody. But he doesn't need your amen to be perfect. He doesn't need your amen to be strong. He just needs you to say yes. Even if it's a scared one. Even if you're unsure. Even if you don't know what's going to happen next. He's saying, when you agree with me, my presence will be with you. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. See, amen is just an invitation for God to do what he wants to do. It's the presence of God. And the presence of God is the most unique thing about us as followers of Jesus. If you've been here for any length of time, you know I am obsessed with the presence of God. I, you mention it in every sermon, somehow. Generosity, money, presence of God. Forgiveness, presence of God. Amen, presence of God. I throw it in everywhere because it is the most unique thing about us. Why? Because you look in Exodus and you find that the Israelites are coming out of Egypt into the promised land. And as they're going into the promised land, Moses is leading them. The Israelites are tripping. They don't know what they're doing. They keep sinning against God, making idols, disobeying him, being angry at him for all of his miracles. And then God is saying, you know what? Fine. You do what you want to do. I'll let you go. You guys can go into the promised land, but I'm going to send an angel with you. I'm not going. Moses looks at God and he's like, whoa, 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 whoa please. No, don't do that. I would rather be in the wilderness with you than in the promised land without you please don't send us if you're not going and then God says okay well what and he says well how are we how are people going to know that we are your people and that we're distinct in all of the earth and God says this is how they will know that you are mine and I am yours this is how you will be distinct is that I will be with you what does that teach us? That the most distinct thing about you following Jesus is that the presence of God is with you that's your thing. That's our move. That's what we got. See, some of us think like the church and Christianity and following Jesus and all of that, like we, we, have, a, we have a monopoly on all these things like morality and, and no, our one thing is the presence of God. Why? Because you don't have to be a Christian to be moral. You don't have to come to church to be a moral person. You cannot believe in any God and you can still be a moral person. The church does not have a monopoly on morality. 
The church doesn't have a monopoly on happiness. You can get happiness somewhere out there. That's not what we're offering to people. We're not even offering success. I'm not saying that you will follow Jesus, you'll be successful. You can be successful a million other ways. We're not even offering purpose. People find purpose at organizations and clubs and friend groups and, and, and social media sites and going on trips. People find purpose all sorts of places. I don't think it's true purpose, but they find a purpose. Those aren't the things that we're offering and holding out to people. We're offering the presence of God. That's the one thing that the world cannot take. They can give you morality. They can give you happiness. They can give you success. They can even give you a sense of purpose. But the one thing that they can't give you is the presence of God. Why? Because that's the one thing that God says that makes you distinct. Even other religions don't promise that. No other religion is saying God is inside of you. God is with you. I will never leave you and never forsake you. I am with you wherever you go to the ends of the earth. No other religion even says that. The most distinct thing about you is that God is with you. When we come into agreement with God, we experience the presence of God. And the presence of God starts to dwell with us and it dwells with Mary, and he sat with Mary, and Mary was filled with the presence of God because the most unique thing about us is not a morality, generosity, legacy, purpose, success. It is the presence of God. See, we don't need better crafted services and, and, and more events and, and another 40 years and, and good sermons and good worship. No, we need the presence of God in this place. That's the thing that's going to change somebody. Not me getting up here and preaching something inspiring. Not the worship team doing an amazing song. That introduces the presence of God. But that does not change somebody. I could preach amazing, the best sermon I've ever preached. But if the presence of God isn't here, you're just encouraged. You're not changed. You're not saved. You're not renewed. You're not redeemed. You're not sanctified. You're not saved. But if the presence of God is here and he awakens your heart, all of the sudden, everything changes. And that's what we're offering people when we say amen to him. The amen that we give to God invites the presence of God. And it also invites the purpose of God. When we invite the presence of God, it's saying, God, you're welcome here. You are welcome in this place. I want you exactly where I am. I want to be where you are, no matter what, whatever it costs. God, I want you to dwell in this place. Paul even wrote in, and he said that the, 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 the presence of God would dwell richly in your hearts. That there is a way that God wants to not just visit you, but live with you, but be with you. And I want this church to be a place where God finds a quick amen from us that he feels welcome here because he's welcome in places that agree with him. And when we agree with God, we get God. And the presence of God always leads to the purpose of God. The presence of God always leads to the purpose of God. It's, it's, not the presence of God so that we can have goosebumps and tears and we can leave feeling good. 
That's a that's a maybe like a, a, a like a side effect, like that's a consequence of the presence of God. That you might cry, you might get goosebumps, you might feel something. But if those things happen and you aren't changed, question: Was it the presence of God? Because the presence of God is actually sent to accomplish the purpose of God. And if the purpose of God isn't accomplished when the presence of God shows up, question: Was it the presence of God? God is not just here to make us feel good. He wants to change you. We aren't right the way that we are. So when he visits us, it's not just, man, it's so good to be around you. This is so fun. I love it here. And it's not demeaning you. God loves you so much. And I believe even if you don't make a single different decision, he loves you exactly where you are. And he is with you. I believe that he is for you. Yes. And his purpose is that you would not stay the same that you would be changed by his presence. You find stories, and I can't even, don't have time to go through them, stories and stories in scriptures of people who encounter God and are changed forever. Because the presence of God always leads to the purpose of God. And the purpose of God always shows up to accomplish something. When we agree with him, what happens is that we stop living in our strength and we start living by his spirit. We stop living by what I can do and start living by what he can do, what he wants to do, what is his aim. And what that does is it takes our eyes off of ourselves. You see, God will hardly ever call you to do something in your purpose that you can do yourself. Then you don't need him. If you can do it yourself, it might not be the purpose of God. That's why some of us are in the dark, don't know what to do. It's because if you could see, you would walk by sight. But it's dark, so you have to walk by faith. And God is saying, for you to encounter and walk in the purpose that I have for you, it needs to be beyond you. Mary says, let it be done to me according to your word. And Mary, she was called according to the purpose of God. And through her amen, through her saying yes to God, I agree with God. What happens is that God introduces the purpose of Mary in her life. And I believe that God sees purpose differently than we do. In the fact that when we see purpose, we put ourselves at the center. When God sees purpose, he puts himself at the center. We think my purpose is supposed to accomplish what I want, what I think, what I should do. But God sees purpose in an entirely different way. Why? Because we're looking in the scriptures and honestly, this is, this is the story of Mary. You find in verse 31, it says this. Listen to how much of Mary's purpose has to do with Mary. Verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of God, the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Congratulations, Mary. Your purpose is Jesus. Wait, what? My purpose is... <laughs> It's that Jesus would do what Jesus wants to do. I've realized that mature Christianity is realizing that my purpose isn't just me accomplishing everything that I wanted to. It is God using me to accomplish what he wants. 
My purpose is God's purpose. And God sees himself as the center of my purpose. So when I put myself at the center of my purpose and I think God wants to bless, flourish, and prosper me in the way that I want to be, then I might miss the purpose of God and exit out of something I'm called into because I don't see myself as the center of that thing. When God is saying, no, you're not supposed to be the center, I am using you to accomplish my purpose. And success for me, I've realized over the course of my life, is not accomplishing all of my dreams. It's simply not leaving any obedience on the table. I've said, I'm saying yes to God. That's success. I'm not going to leave any disagreement on the table. I'm picking up every amen that God has called me to pick up. I'm saying yes to him every single day. And that is the testimony of this church from Pastor Mark Koch, who came from, Luke, from Kentucky to plant this church in 1982. A simple amen to God from Pastor Brett Fuller, our bishop, who got saved at Indiana University and months later went to D.C. and planted a church saying yes to God. From Pastor AJ, who quit his job and said yes to God. From Hannah Beth, to Pastor Corey, to Pastor Tiffany, to probably you. Our story in our church is filled with people who have simply said yes to God. That's our amen. I'm saying I agree with you. Not with me. Not my will be done, but yours. Not what I want, but what you want. And in that, the Lord uses us. When we agree with God, the presence and the purpose of God begins to flood our lives. We're in a place then where we say, God, I realize that in places in my life, I think I've tried to plan my way, but I realize, Lord, it's you all along who've established my steps. My amen to God. And there's God's amen to me. You see, God's amen to us is a holy amen. A W-H-O-L-L-Y, a holy amen. And that he said amen, yes, to all of you. The whole of you. Nothing apart from you. He looked at you and said yes to you. Not that you were good enough, not that we were clean enough, not that we were right enough, not that we did enough, but he looked at us and said yes to us. He formed us in our mother's womb and saw us from the beginning and said yes to that person, yes to her, yes to him. Exactly what Pastor Corey mentioned at the beginning of our service is that the good, the bad, and the ugly, before I ever said yes to him, he said yes to me wholly and entirely, leaving nothing on the table. And Tim Keller has a beautiful quote exactly about this. He says, to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is a whole lot like being loved by God. You see, in Christ Jesus, you are fully known and you are fully loved. He knows you entirely. He knows every issue. He knows every struggle, past, present, and future. And he has still said yes to you. He has given you his yes entirely, wholly. And he has also given you a holy amen. H-O-L-Y. Says that he should be called holy. You see, God's amen to us is holy. 
the word holy, as I close, is just this word that is described and defined as being totally separate than, completely different, unlike anything, uncorruptible, undefiled. It's completely different, holy. And holiness is one of the defining characteristics about the person of God is that he is totally and completely in himself sufficient and different. Nothing from the outside can corrupt him or influence him. He is uninfluenceable, uncorruptible. He won't change from anything on the outside, can't help. They can't change him. And he gives you a holy amen. Why does that matter? It's because God's amen to you wasn't based on you. It was based on him. So he gives you a holy amen based off of him. Why does that matter? It's because God doesn't treat you like people treat you. As in, when you're good, we're good. When you're bad, we're bad. You influence the way that I treat you naturally. Proximity. Anger. The way that you've treated me. How you've, been, how you've behaved towards me. All of these things influence how I treat you. Because I'm not holy. I'm corruptible. I can be influenced. But God is holy. And he gives you a holy amen. Which means that no matter what you do, no matter what you say, no matter how you've behaved, it doesn't matter how you influence him. He has already decided in himself how he is going to treat you, which is he is going to treat you as loved. He has sacrificed his son for you. He has made a decision to say yes to you entirely and not because of you, but in spite of you and because of himself. He says, I choose you because I choose you, not because you chose me not because you're good enough not because you're holy enough not because you're good enough it's because I chose you it's a holy amen and it doesn't just stop it's the reality that Jesus has this beautiful title that I don't think we talk about enough which is Jesus is the great amen in Revelation 3 it teaches us he is the great amen from the beginning and in the middle and at the end, Jesus has always been saying yes to God. He's in the garden. He's saying, I don't want this cup. If it can pass for me, then let it pass. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Amen. The disciples ask him, Lord, how are we to pray? He says, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He is still the lamb, the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth. Amen. He says, I only say what I see the father saying. Amen. I only do what I see the father doing. Amen. Jesus is the great amen. And from the beginning, he's been saying it. To the end, he will say it. That he agrees with the Father. And whatever the Father wants. And if Jesus is the great amen, that when we then say amen, you know what the Father hears? The Father hears Jesus. And when we say Jesus, the Father hears, amen. And when we say amen, the Father hears Jesus. And when we say Jesus, the Father hears, amen, because he is the great amen. It's a holy yes. It's a holy amen. It's completely different. It's uncorruptible that he's given you. 
It's not because we've earned it or deserved it. It's because he has decided in himself, I choose to love you. It's my amen to God. It's God, not according to my plans, not what I want, not what I think, but God, according to you. I say amen to you. I agree with you. And I welcome the presence and the purpose of God in my life when I agree with God. I'm saying not my will, but yours be done. And that influences me now to say, God, whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want, my life is not my own. I choose from this day forward to agree with you, not trying to make you agree with me. And our strength from our amen to him indirectly comes from his holy amen to us. That he chose you, he loves you, he's for you, he wants you, he's desperate for you. Jesus died for you, that you would have relationship with him. And from that place, now we respond to him by saying, God, not an amen to me, but an amen to you. This is the word that's going to guide us this year. Is amen to him. Would you pray with me for a minute? Lord Jesus, we love you. Totally and completely we love you with no, nothing holding back. We love you. And we're, we're astounded by you. In our response, Lord, we want it to be yes and amen. Whatever you say, whatever you say, whenever you say, however you say it. We want to make a place where you're welcome. We want to agree with you. In whatever way that looks, that invites the presence of God and the purpose of God deep into our church. Where you look here and you find a quick amen from us. You look in this heart and you find a quick amen from me.